It's been a pretty quiet offseason so far for the Atlanta Braves and really a lot of Major League Baseball. Could that be getting ready to change as the winter meetings begin this weekend? We're going to preview that winter meetings as Grant McCauley joins the show. And we're going to be talking about the Atlanta Braves. What's the holdup with Dansby Swanson? What's going to happen with Marcelo Zuna? We'll cover all of that and give some of our predictions for the winter meetings. All of that on today's episode of Lockdown Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, welcome back to Locked On Braves, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. Make sure you download the Locked On Sports Atlanta app on Roku and Amazon Fire devices. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On underscore Braves. Send in any questions, comments, or feedback you have for the podcast. If you're new, subscribe to us on YouTube. And if you're watching this video on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button and that notification bell. And as always, thanks for those uh, giving us a listen, making us your first listen of each and every day, continuing to post episodes daily throughout the offseason. Hopefully, we're going to have a lot more to talk about here with the winter meetings picking up. And joining me for that winter meetings conversation today is Grant McCauley. Grant, thanks for so much for joining the show. Yeah, hey, it feels like what's old is new again. We haven't been able to sit down and talk Braves for a while, so thanks for having me. We haven't, and honestly, Grant, I mean, not much has changed since our last conversation, especially when we wrapped up the end of the season. I mean, here we are getting into December, and really for not just the Braves, but the entire league, we haven't seen a ton of movement yet. No, we really haven't. It's just been those little deals that we keep seeing. I mean, you got Zach Eflin signing with the Rays reportedly today. Tyler Anderson, those are a couple that spring to mind. I mean, Edwin Diaz signing a huge deal to stay with the Mets might be the biggest signing of the offseason so far, unless something's escaping me. But, yeah, we haven't seen those big shortstop start signing. We haven't seen any monster, just blockbuster crazy trades. Shohei Otani's still an angel, so I guess that's a thing. Aaron Judge hasn't signed anywhere. There's a lot still to happen over the course of this offseason, I guess, as we come out of the Thanksgiving type of or, or the Thanksgiving time of year. I'm just thankful we're not staring at another another lockout because that was not fun last winter. It was not. Yeah, as, as cold as things have been right now, it's nothing compared to what we had to deal with last December and January and, and February going into last season. So I'm certainly glad we haven't had that. But what do you think? What is the holdup? Do you think there's any one particular thing right now? Or is it, you know, teams just trying to fill everything out? It's a pretty big market. You look at Judge, Verlander, DeGrom, along with the big four shortstops. A lot of big names out there. Is there anything in particular you can think of that's holding up the market right now? You know, really in my experience, and I, I wish I was going to the winter meetings this year. They haven't been live since 2019, the last time they were in San Diego, and I was out there. And I feel like even if the biggest moves of the winter don't happen there, when you have the whole baseball world converging on one city, it seems like some very important talks begin to happen. So maybe there's a couple of big signings or big moves or trades or something that go there. Then everything seems to just start – coming together in the uh, close of December and early January. But there are a lot of, of the big free agents that are all kind of controlled, their market is anyway, by Scott Boris. And I think that's kind of a big story to look at yeah. because you know he's going to be trying to get top dollar for all of his guys. I mean, he can get creative if you want to with some of these one giant year with a couple other years, but you can opt out after the first year. I don't expect to see a ton of that this year. I don't expect to see Carlos Correa do it again. But yeah, 
I think really more than anything, we're just waiting for one or two of these big free agents to sign and start to get the wheels going. And the winter meetings, a lot of times, can be a place where at least you start to take that next big step towards something happening. Yeah, and we've seen Alex Antopoulos be pretty aggressive early on in offseason so far, you know, sometimes even locking players up in November. Now, he did say himself that he got a lot of his legwork done during the season, doing those extensions, you know, bringing Charlie Morton back. So, you know, a lot of, and you know, honestly, a lot of his work is done. There's the big hole at, at shortstop and potentially in left field as well. And you talked about, you know, one domino leading to the rest of them following. I feel like that's where we are with Dansby Swanson at the moment. I feel like he's probably at the, the bottom of those top four guys and, I think it's partly, you know, him waiting to see how his market opens up because everybody that's in line for a shortstop, you know, they're probably going to start at the top of the list. So you figure, or at least I, I figure this, you can tell me if you agree, you know, if Correa or Trey Turner signs, I think that would kind of, you know, again, that domino effect lead to maybe when we see something happen with Dansby Swanson to see if his market picks up for the teams who miss out on those players. Yeah, there certainly is. And there are going to be a handful of teams that are looking for shortstops. I mean, the Phillies spring to mind is one in the National League East that could be looking to upgrade at that position. And I think we've heard, read some rumors about Trey Turner perhaps being at the top of their holiday wish list. And, you know, I don't know where, who the first one's going to be or where exactly they're going to go. I mean, we could sit here and take our guesses all day, but I think as far as, the top dollar guy, Correa's in line to get the most of these shortstops. And I do think even though it's a top tier with four really good shortstops, four all-stars, there's kind of tiers within the four of them where, and we haven't even brought up Xander Bogarts yet. He's an interesting name. And, you know, his choice to opt out with the Red Sox could lead him to a much bigger payday somewhere else. It doesn't really sound like the road is paved for him to come back to Boston. So, you know, you got to have the Red Sox, a big spending club that's going to be out there in the market for a shortstop. The Twins threw a bunch of money at Correa last year. So could they be looking to take that money that they had earmarked for Correa and maybe throw it at a guy like Bogarts? I don't know that, you know, they're going to sign Correa or Turner in the American League Central. I don't necessarily expect that, but it's a really fascinating waiting game that, you know, it's really easy to get impatient with it. But if you're a Braves fan, I think that the best fit all along has really been Dansby Swanson. If you're going to spend that kind of big money, though, get over the luxury tax and you know, swing for the fences, so to speak, it would be pretty intriguing to see if any of those other three shortstops might fit the bill for the Braves because they'd certainly make the team better and go exactly with the kind of club that Alex Antopoulos has been building for years now. Yeah, and obviously, you know, I don't want to get into a payroll discussion. I know we've done that a lot, but the Braves are at the point, unless other money gets moved, and we can talk about that in a second, they're going to have to go into that luxury tax. If they're going to make any type of big move this offseason, they're going to have to go into that luxury tax. And if you're going to do that, do you go for a little bit more and maybe get a, a Bogarts or a Turner? It sounds to me, Grant, that everything I've read, it's it's Dansby Swanson or or nothing at shortstop, essentially, or give Grissom a shot. Now, you know, maybe that's not correct, but that's just the perception I get from everything I'm reading coming out of, you know, the Braves coaching staff and everything. But what are your feelings on that? Do you think it's Dansby or bust at shortstop? And I don't mean bust in terms they won't do anything, but but either Dansby or go look for left field and let Grissom play at shortstop. I think there's one big move that the Braves make this offseason, whether it's in shortstop or left field. And I don't know what that's going to be, but either way, I think if they do that, they're going to have to really consider going into the luxury tax. Yeah, they certainly will. And you just look at the the payroll. You you see if you want to be a top five team, which again, you know, I've had discussions throughout the course of the year that said, hey, that's their next big goal. But it doesn't mean it's all going to happen overnight or in one offseason. But they were a top 10 payroll this past year. The Braves continue to build the, the highest payroll in franchise history pretty much year over year now. And 
with the battery and, and, and Truist Park just packed out 81-plus times a year, then into October and everything that comes with that, they are going to be one of the top spending clubs in baseball. But again, when and who they're going to spend it on are, are important questions to ask, and we're going to try to determine when exactly that'll be. The sooner the better if you're trying to make yourself a, uh, you know, give yourself everything you need at shortstop, because I would just be surprised to kind of circle back in on Vaughn Grissom if he is the starting shortstop for the Braves on opening day. That's not to take anything away from the fact that this kid could be a really nice building block for the Braves in the future. I just feel like, if, like a lot of young players, he came in, he had some initial success, and then at least at the plate, things started to cool off quite a bit. And then you start to realize he was one of the three or four youngest players in baseball this year upon being promoted. So he skipped AAA altogether. Would that be the kind of finishing school that he might benefit from, especially being back over at shortstop rather than playing at second base? I think that's something to consider. I also don't expect Orlando Arcia to be the starting shortstop on opening day either. So if you're telling me Dansby Swanson or Bust in the free agent market, maybe that is the case. But I, that would not rule out Alex Anthopoulos getting creative and maybe making some kind of trade that could upgrade that position. I just feel like the Braves are in too much of a you know, the higher end of the window of contention, having already won a World Series, having won the division five consecutive years, and with the core of this team locked in to be taking any steps back at any positions or having too much uncertainty at any particular position just by choice. They're going to go out there and try to make themselves better, I believe. Yeah, especially at the shortstop position. For me, it's such an important you know, position, especially with the shift going away. Yep. You know, We don't know how that's going to affect it, but you know, you probably want a pretty good defender at shortstop, and Dansby just winning a gold glove is certainly that. All right, next I want to come back and talk about money a little bit, talk about Ozuna, who could be playing a factor into that money as well, and then some other key topics for the Braves, what could be happening at the winter meetings, and we'll talk about that next. But before we do, I want to tell you, about Bet Online. This episode brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sport, sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. They have it all covered at BetOnline.net. And if you love po podcasts, and I know you do because you're listening to this one, you can find those over at BetOnline as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix responsibly. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. So we talked a little bit about Dansby, and I want to get to him a little bit more in a second. But let's go to the other big talking point for the Braves this offseason, and that is Marcel Ozuna. And, you know, I don't know that this is holding things up with the Braves or not, but I think that's certainly – a big weight on Alex's shoulders right now, trying to figure out what to do with Marcelo Zuna. Is there an option to trade him? Are they going to have to cut him? I know Justin Toscana of AJC wrote an article yesterday, the Braves, you know, putting it out there that they think he's going to have a bounce back season. I saw, you know, your tweets on that. I don't know how much I buy into that, but you know, at least it sounds like they're trying to posture it into the, the idea that he could come back. And look, you look at his baseball savant page. Yeah, he hits the ball hard. There's no no denying that. If he could just do it more consistently, yeah. I think we'd have a pretty good player on our hands, at least, you know, a solid DH. I don't ever want to see him in the field again. But I just want to get your thoughts now on Marcelo Zuno. What you think happens with him? Does, does he make it to opening day on this Braves roster? Are they able to trade him for for anything or to attach a prospect to him to save any type of money you look at that jaco to rizzi trade braves moved him and they only saved a couple million in that i mean and there's that you know we talked about this before when we we, we did a postcast is 
you know, there was that rumor with the um, with the Nationals for yeah. Patrick Corbin, and they weren't even willing to do that. That just tells you how bad of a contract Ozuna is. But just your thoughts on the Ozuna situation, because I think it's just kind of a, a dark cloud right now hanging over Alex Antopoulos and what to do with him. Yeah, it certainly breeds uncertainty, and I don't think that he does anything to solve the left field dilemma. And if you look at going all the way back to the beginning of 2021, and I'm going to you know, go ahead and put the caveat on it of putting his off-field problems aside, on the field, he has been one of the least productive everyday players over the last couple of seasons. I know he missed a big chunk of time last year because he had the, the dislocated fingers, and of course he got suspended. But when he came back this year, primarily playing pretty much every day until late into the year when he finally you know, found himself on the bench for the better part of, I believe, the month of August and kind of rebounded in September. You just look inside these numbers. And while the Savant the data does say that, yeah, he hits the ball hard, you know, max velocities are great. The regular velocities are pretty great. But, you know, the whiff rate is about as bad as it's ever been in his career. His walk rate completely cratered, especially from what it was a couple of years ago. And he just he doesn't do enough outside of hitting the occasional home run to me that, makes me feel like this is somebody that I could count on to bounce back and return to form because we're not talking about a couple of bad months or a bad half or you know a, a bad slump. We're talking about two very troublesome years from an on-field production standpoint and the off-field aspects that go with it. But $37 million tied up in this guy, that's going to be tough to move. I remember going to the winter meetings, I believe it was in 2015, and John Hart, and maybe it was 2014, was talking about the B.J. Upton contract, feeling like he was walking around the lobby of the hotel with an anchor around his neck, just trying to figure out some way to get creative and move out of that. And we know that eventually, to dump that contract, the Braves traded Craig Kimbrell. That ended up working out okay because you got a draft pick, you turned into Austin Riley, but the Braves are not in a rebuild right now. They're not looking to dump off other good assets. And I would hate to waste a premium prospect just to save a little bit of money, but I don't make the financial decisions for Liberty Media or Alex Anthopoulos. So he's going to have to get creative. And if Marcel Azuna is, for whatever reason, still on the active roster, it won't be, I think, for lack of trying to explore other options and see about moving him. Because if you're willing to take on Patrick Corbin and a contract that's a pretty big albatross, and I don't think that that's using that term lightly, then you're trying to get as creative as you possibly can. And I don't know if there's a club out there that's really buying into the Marcelo Zuna bounce back candidate for nearly $40 million. Yeah. And you, you hit on it too, for a farm system that already rates as one of the worst in baseball, you would really hate to part with a, a Jared Schuster and a Freddie Tarnuck or, you know, two of your, your top pitching prospects, which is what I think you would have to attach to Ozuna even to save six, eight, maybe $10 million. If you're, you're lucky, um, you know, are you willing to do that? I don't know. Maybe some people are, <laughs> maybe some, maybe Alex Anthopoulos is, but I think that's what it would take. You'd have to give up two of your, your really good prospects in a farm system. That's already not very deep in order to save some money on that Marcelo Zuna deal. Nobody's taking on that entire contract unless you're giving them Acuna or Michael Harris attached to them. And they're certainly not doing that. So uh, again, nobody's taken on that contract at best. I think you say, you know, six to 10 million attach a couple of prospects to him. Um, Brad Horn says, uh, I'm not an Ozuna fan. However, for 16 million play him at DH on a regular basis. Don't forget that he put up runner up numbers to Freeman in 21. It's also, you know, 2020, uh, he had, that was a shortened season where he was, you know, yeah. MVP candidate. And as you said, Grant, hasn't been that good since then. Look, and I've been saying this, Grant, I think if you play him 140 games, I think he hits you 25 to 30 home runs, but he doesn't give you 
anything else. He's not a consistent hitter. He doesn't get on base. He can't run. He can't play in the field. He does one thing well, and he hits the ball really hard when he makes contact. He does nothing else well to help you win a ball game. No, he doesn't. And like I said, if you're not walking, which he didn't last year, I think it was like a 6% walk rate, if I'm not mistaken. I'm, I don't have Fangrass pulled up, but I looked at it earlier today, and he didn't surpass 60 runs batted in. I don't think he surpassed 60 runs scored this year, and he played what, a ballpark 120, 125 games this year. So it wasn't like he wasn't in the lineup. I mean, he just went into long stretches of being an unproductive member of the Braves lineup. And after a kind of a hot start for the first couple of weeks of the season where you saw, hey, man, this guy's back. He's hitting the ball hard. That's great. The production really just didn't show up throughout the bulk of the season. Then after he kind of had another issue off the field and it looked like, hey, were we wondering if he played his last game as a Brave? Well, here comes Marcelo Zuna with a couple or three decent weeks to maybe put a little bit of a uh, take a little bit of the bad taste out of your mouth at the end of the year if that's what you're into. But personally, I don't think that was enough late of a sample size to make me believe that from a production standpoint in your lineup and then also failing everything else, being able to be a positive member of that clubhouse, that this is a headache that is worth continuing to try to power your way through. But again, you're going to have to get creative. And I don't, I would hate to throw uh, prospects after a bad contract to just save a, a, just a modicum of money. Because if there's a club out there that thinks Marcelo Zuna is going to bounce back, why wouldn't you just wait for the Braves to go ahead and cut him a la Robinson Cano with the New York Mets? And then you can take your flyer on this guy. If you believe he's got something left in the tank and, I know Ozuna's a little bit younger, but the productivity ain't that much better than what Robinson Cano was doing the last couple of years. It is not. So let's move on a little bit, though, because looking forward to the winter meetings and the rest of the offseason as well. Obviously, we've touched on shortstop, left field. Those seem like the biggest holes for the Braves. What are kind of your thoughts now? I know we haven't we haven't spoken in several weeks now. What are kind of your thoughts for the Braves and what they do this offseason? Do you we you know do you think they get shortstop do you think they get Dansby Swanson or there's some names in left field that intrigue you I know there's been some reports of the Braves being interested in Mitch Mitch Hanniger but report from Buster only today said that he's talking about maybe getting 15 million a year I think that's probably more than what the Braves were willing to do I like Andrew Benintendi I think he gives you a different type of bat in the lineup um, do you think they go after a starting pitcher? I know a lot of people in the chat and the comments on YouTube have been asking me all offseason about DeGrom. I keep just shooting that down because I can't see it happening, especially if they're not willing to go into the luxury tax. But what are kind of your thoughts with how the Braves put things together this offseason? Do you think they just continue to beef up the bullpen? Where do you think they go from here based on what we've seen or what we haven't seen rather over the last month or so? Yeah, and we haven't seen a lot. And one thing I do go back to around the trade deadline is that when you think about making your bullpen better, the Braves got Rysel Iglesias from the Angels. So it was kind of like the Charlie Morton deal where you got a couple of pieces done. Yeah, you signed some extensions with some other players, and you know they've made a couple of minor signings to add some depth to the bullpen, but you can always make the bullpen better. And I know that some folks you know, looked at, hey, would Kenley Jansen be interested in coming back? If he is for the right price, I'd be interested in putting him in my bullpen because I'll collect as many good relievers as I can. I know he had a couple of bad weeks here and there last year, but by and large, he got the job done and he was just yet another uh, weapon at the disposal of the Braves in the late innings. And those are always important, but I I don't feel like they're out there trying to figure out how to throw money at another closer. You do have Iglesias. You could just go that route if you want to. And they've got some other very good relievers, but shortstop wise, I, I feel like if you can't get Dansby Swanson back, which I will still say until, or unless or until let me put that out there, Unless or until he signs somewhere else, I still feel it's the best 
um, the best partnership for both sides, the club and the player for Dansby to continue in Atlanta. I think he wants to be here, but I think he wants to be here at the rate that he feels is appropriate. And I think the Braves, just like we learned last year with Freddie Freeman, have a number in mind and we'll see how close they can get and if it's a bridge too far or not. But if it doesn't happen, I would anticipate Alex Anthopoulos getting a shortstop from somewhere else to come in, making some kind of trade, whether that's a Willie Adamas type with the Milwaukee Brewers. I know his name's been thrown out there a lot because Milwaukee could do some wheeling and dealing. Maybe the winter meetings kickstart some of those talks. We'll see if that plays out. But um, left field wise, I I feel like they kind of need Eddie Rosario to bounce back as much or more than anything. And I believe in Eddie Rosario bouncing back to be a more productive player than I do Marcelo Zuna. So take that for what it's worth. But I was interested in maybe DH-wise finding somebody on one of those patented Alex Anthopoulos one-year deals, somebody like a J.D. Martinez that could come in and you know maybe give you some right-handed thump from DH. You're not going to play him in the field altogether that often, if at all. But if you got Rosario out there, you can find somebody maybe to platoon a little bit with him. Then again, if you want to get creative in DH and find a way to get William Contreras some more at-bats, I'd be on board for that. So the Braves are in a pretty good place. They, Other than shortstop, they don't have these big glaring holes where they need to go out and sign two or three more players or make two major trades. They're a really well-constructed ball club. But, you know, when you've had success and when you've got as good a ball club as you do, you just want to see it get that much better. It's hard not to get a little bit greedy if you're a fan because, you know, you want to see your club reach the highs they did in 2021. And the winter is the time in which you get the most excited about that, I think. For sure. And we uh, mentioned this at the top. And again, Alex said it himself. A lot of his work was done during the season, to your point, the Iglesias move, the Charlie Morton move. There aren't a lot of holes on this team. And I'm of the belief, Grant, you could go into the season right now with this roster and you can compete for a division title. And depending on how things play out, you could compete for a World Series when you're talking about you know, Acuna, Albies coming back, Riley, Olsen. I mean, Contreras, Darno. I mean, there's already Michael Harris. I mean, there's already a good lineup there uh, for each Strider, Wright, Morton, and possibly Ian Anderson, possibly Mike Soroka. I mean, the team is, is deep as constructed now. It's already a team ready to compete. We're talking about, you know, putting the finishing touches on it this offseason. Yeah, no, you really are. And I saw a question in here about a Chris Bassett from my friend Doug Counts and, Look, you could spend some money on a on a free agent starter, I guess, but I don't really see that being high on the list of you know what the Braves would do. I mean, if they're going to put out the kind of money that would put you over the luxury tax, which I assume Bassett would get a pretty good amount of money wherever he signs. He had a pretty decent year for the Mets, and we've already seen the going rate for starting pitchers has been uh, pretty robust thus far, and there's a lot of guys who haven't signed yet. But you know, long story short, I feel like if you're going to make some kind of big move, and go over the luxury tax, then wouldn't you rather be spending it on Jacob DeGrom or Justin Verlander or some guy that makes you demonstratively better? Because if you backfill that fifth spot of the rotation behind Max Fried and Kyle Wright and Spencer Strider and Charlie Morton, you've got Mike Soroka, you've got Kyle Muller, you've got Bryce Elder. I mean, you've got some real candidates there, and Ian Anderson hopefully will have the opportunity to bounce back as well. That I, While I will always tell you that having you can never have too much starting pitching, which is a, a brave saying this is old as time, I just don't know that that's going to be the high priority for spending free agent dollars this offseason. Yeah, and I like this question here from Matthew Anderson. Does the current starting pitching market price-wise make the Charlie Morton extension at $20 million more palatable for y'all? Look, Mike Clevenger signed a one-year $12 million deal, a guy that wasn't very good last year. As Grant said, the price for pitching is very high. Now, I was shocked. I wasn't shocked they brought Charlie Morton back. I was a little shocked they brought him back for 20 million. I thought that was a a little bit high. I would have been more comfortable with even 15 million 
than 20 million. And you look at, you know, where the Braves payroll is now, but Grant, again, to your point where you're seeing what starting pitchers are getting right now, back of the rotation, starting pitchers, which if Morton doesn't bounce back, that that's what he is. That's what he was for at least part of 2022. He had moments and flashes here and there being that top of the rotation arm, but you know, does that Charlie Morton contract look a little different or, you know, better or worse in your eyes with what we've seen so far this offseason? It really, I felt like when they did that and announced that signing, more or less, they respectfully, in a lot of ways, just picked up Charlie Morton's option by calling it, you know, re-signing him and extending him and putting another option year on top of that. They wanted to have him back. I mean, Charlie Morton, if you get inside the numbers, I know the Braves believe that he still has the swing and miss capabilities of being a very effective big league starting pitcher. Are his days as a, a number one, which was really a late bloomer in his career, are those maybe behind him? And is he going to have to you know, grind a little bit the way he did through 2022? I hope maybe not as hard, but, you know, it, still, I think there's more value in Charlie Morton at that level than, you know, going out and, I mean, the Tigers gave Matthew Boyd, I believe, $10 million mm-hmm. to, to re-sign with them. And, and Boyd's been a real enigma for the majority of his career. He can miss some bats. He can also give up a ton of homers. We saw Zach Eflin get 12 or $13 million a year from the Tampa Bay Rays. Eflin kind of got himself back on track as a reliever. They're going to start him quite obviously, or I would believe they would. They might use him as a closer. Who knows? We'll find out. Doesn't really matter for the point of this postcast, but a lot of money is being thrown at pitchers who are less of of the known commodity and of the pedigree of Charlie Morton. So, Again, I, I just felt like it was extending and or picking up his option and extending him out another option for the following year. And if Charlie wants to come back and and with what he offers, I think every fifth day and also to the overall dynamic of that starting rotation, he's still a useful piece. And there could be some crazy pitching deals that we haven't seen yet this winter that'll make you feel like that the old saying about there's no bad one year deal might again be true with Charlie Morton in 2023. And look, whether you like the move or not, I just think personally, a lot of that deal and a lot of that money is because they really, really respect his veteran mm-hmm. leadership in that clubhouse. And that means something. You hear Mike Soroka talk about it. Other pitchers talk about it. You know what he means to them and just those conversations that they have. And again, is that worth, you know, an extra five million? I, I don't know. Maybe we'll see how the brace pitching staff is really good. Um, so I certainly think there's something to that. But there's definitely, you know, a part of it that's because they want that veteran leadership that Charlie Morton is. And it would not surprise me at all because of the metrics. Look, he gave up, what, 30 home runs last year? Yeah. That that was a big part of his issues. If he just cuts that down, I think he's back to be in that middle, the top of the rotation arm. So it would not surprise mm-hmm. me at all if he bounces back and has a good year in 2023. Yeah, the home runs were the most surprising and the most troubling stat for Charlie Morton last year. He still surpassed 200 strikeouts. I mean, you'd watch Charlie pitch, and at times it seemed like he'd be in complete control, but they might run into a bad inning. It might come early, then he settles in, or he might be settled in, and then all of a sudden it comes off the rails and, you know, a couple of long balls. It was, it was very un-Charlie Morton-like to see the amount of home runs this year. You had to go all the way back to his early career with the Pittsburgh Pirates to find Charlie Morton giving up home runs at the rate he did last year. So, I think there are corrections that can be made. I still think the stuff is there. The fastball was still alive. That curveball is still ridiculous. You know, he's going to hit a few batters, but if he can keep the ball in the park, I still think this is a very useful pitcher who could put up somewhere in the three to maybe four or five war level if he really gets rolling again. And that, of course, is a very useful arm, and nobody needs me to tell him that. Yeah. Another question here, and this is a topic that I think is very um 
good to talk about because I think it's a real possibility. And Doug says, uh, what about bringing back Duvall for left field yeah. as a power bat? I think that's a very real possibility, especially if they get somebody for shortstop, Dansby or otherwise, to get a Duvall, platoon him with Rosario, and just see where things go from there. I would not hate that at all. And I think Adam Duvall has been nothing but a net positive in his time with the Braves. I mean, who would have thought when he got traded over in 2018 and was really kind of a non-factor and well, not a very exciting trade acquisition that this would be a guy that would take an assignment to the minor leagues, go back down there, get his career back on track, have some big moments in 2019, big moments in 2020, get traded back in 2021, have even more. And then, you know, this year it was a wrist injury that took him down and, and cost him the remainder of the season after he really seemed to be getting back on track in June if not into early July, whenever it was, he got hurt. But for five or six weeks prior to the wrist injury, he had become one of the Braves' top four or five hitters as the team was turning the season around. So if that wrist is back and you can get Adam Duvall on something you know, in the neighborhood of a 5 to $7 million deal to platoon with Eddie Rosario, I would consider left field solved. And then I would move on to DH and figure out, of course, the Marcelo Zuna question that we already talked about. And if you could find somebody else or find some way to maybe get those at-bats to William Contreras, because I still think Travis Darno is going to catch a little bit more than Will Contreras if both guys are healthy this year, because Travis is a primary catcher, and I think he's still kind of the lead catcher as of now. But the uh, just the the work and the progress that William Contreras made last year, I don't know that we talk about him enough as to what he uh, did. I mean, we see the stats, and clearly he was an all-star, so it's not like I can sit here and tell you that he's going to sneak up on everybody. But, man, he kind of gets lost, I think, a little bit, in some of the other conversations with the Michael Harris's and Spencer Striders, but great young players who broke out in a big way for the Braves in 2022. William Contreras was pretty high on that list as well. So I'd love to see him find a way to get some more at bats. And it kind of goes back to what we said a little bit earlier. I mean, this is a Braves team that really needs some tweaks and finishing touches and, you know, you got to address shortstop, but outside of that, this is a very good baseball club. They won 101 games last year and they should have won more in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like I've been saying all offseason, this is already a postseason type of team just trying to put the finishing touches on it and yeah Contreras what he did last year just remarkable and we talked about it all last season not just what he did at the plate but I thought what he did behind the plate just grew tremendously and I think you're right Travis will get the majority of the starts but I think Contreras is going to get two or three games a week at catcher I think it's going to be you know a little bit more of a split and I hope he does get some of those spots at DH but going back to Duvall the fact he can play all three outfield positions as well. Now you don't want him, wouldn't want him out there in center a ton. He he handled it last year, and I think that put a lot of, you know, I think it wore him down a lot because you saw when he moved him to left field, as you talked about, that's when the bat really started to to heat back up. But another player that's capable of doing that, and I've been critical of Duvall at times in his tenure with the Braves, but you play him in the right situation, and again, if you can get him on a a six, seven year or a seven million dollar one year deal. I think that's a very good option and viable option for the Braves. And it's somebody that you know, and you know what to expect. I mean, the Braves, they are a club that really likes the fit. They like the the player. They also like the person. We've seen that be a huge part of how they do all of their moves. So it wouldn't be surprising to see Adam Duvall come back. It would be surprising for me to see the Braves get into the mix for, you know, a, a Mitch Hanniger at $15 million a year yeah. for three or four years. If that's the market that he's getting after the injuries that he's gone through the past few years, Good on him. I hope he gets that somewhere. I just don't see the Braves spending like that. So you get a bounce back from Eddie Rosario, maybe the return of Adam Duvall. You figure out what you can with DH and know that you have a bat as good as William Contreras to maybe utilize in that spot. There should be some better offense from that group than there was a year ago. 
once you figure out the, you know, the $37 million question of where or if Marcelo Zuna fits on your club in 2023 and beyond. Yeah, absolutely. Let's kind of wrap things up here. Appreciate everybody that put the questions in the chat section there. If you didn't get to yours, make sure you put them in the comments on YouTube. But let's turn our attention back to the winter meetings, Grand. Make a couple of predictions real quick. So at the end of these winter meetings, will the Braves have their shortstop? I'm going to say no. I think it's going to go a little bit longer than that. I think it could be a a nice present uh, for the holiday season, but I don't think it's going to happen in the first week of December. I would love to be wrong. I would love to have this thing, no pun intended, all wrapped up with a bow on it before we get into 2023. But it it just feels like this market for shortstops has really not begun to move yet. So I'm fascinated to see, you know, how exactly it plays right now with that number of of high-level free agents out there. You know, maybe the time to do the legwork on figuring out if anybody's maybe shopping a shortstop is something that Alex Anthopoulos and his crew are working on as well. So there will be plans, contingencies for the Braves to fill this void. I just I don't think that we've seen the move as of yet. And I still think that the move that makes a ton of sense for this club for what we've come to expect the last five or six years is to have Dansby Swanson back in the fold and a part of this club as you've locked up a great nucleus for most of the rest of this decade. And I, I think you're right on point. I'm right in agreement with you that. You know, unless and until I see Dansby Swanson sign somewhere else, I think he's coming back to the Braves. But it is very similar, and I think you made another great point here, To It's very similar to the Freddie Freeman situation where Alex was ready to pivot when mm-hmm. things it looked like things weren't going to work out with Freddie. He was ready. I don't think those conversations just started then, and I think you you touched on it going into these winter meetings whether Dansby or any other shortstops get signed at these winter meetings, I think those talks need to happen. Who's available out there at the shortstop position so that Alex knows. So if things don't work out with Dansby, you know, he gets a better offer, goes somewhere else. He can immediately pivot to one of those trade scenarios and know what it's going to cost, know who's available. So I think that's a good point. Something we'll most definitely will not hear about, but certainly something that I would be pretty sure is going to happen at the winter meetings is that he's going to touch base and see what shortstops are available out there in the trade market. Of course. And, you know, we look at, and I see in the comments here, you know, the talks about what would the deal look like? And I've, I've kind of used, I've kind of bookmarked, you know, Trevor story and Javi Baez got six and one forty last year. I think that kind of sets the floor for what the shortstop market could look like. If the Braves get in that six and one thirty range, that'd be about 21, $22 million a year, average annual value for Dansby Swanson. That pretty much be in line with Austin Riley and Matt Olson and, couple of the larger extensions that they've given out for, uh, you know, a little bit more tenured players. Some of the younger guys signed either earlier in the case of Acuna or Albies or just signed in the case of Michael Harris and Spencer Strider. But Dansby has been around the block for a minute. He is viewed as a guy that has been a, a leader for this club and somebody that they want to have back if you're just asking the roster at any given time. So if you could get him in that six and one thirty range, I think that's a deal that could come together and could happen. If it starts to get into the six and one fifty and beyond, then I think that there could be some other options that the Braves would be looking at at that point because I just I'm not sure that they feel like you know, Dansby is a 25 or 30 million dollar a year player, even if the projections out there say that he may very well be that because he timed a career year about as well as you possibly can to go into free agency and good for him for doing that. And that that he did, and it makes me a little uncomfortable to go to that 22 to 25 million dollar a year range that many people are projecting him at. In the majority of his career, he's been a three-war player, still really good. Mm-hmm. But then he balloons to a six-war player in his free agent season. 
raises a little bit of, of red flags for me. And I want Dan to be back. I've been very clear on that. I want him back. But I think you do have to be a little bit cautious of that when, you know, looking towards the future and what player is he going to be? Is he going to be that three war guy he's been for most of his career, or is he going to be that six war guy? And are you going to pay him as that six war player? I want to make, Oh, actually make one more prediction. I don't think Dansby signs this winter meetings. I don't think Braves have a shortstop decision at these winter meetings, but do you think the Braves make any move for a player with an AAV of 10 million or more during these winter meetings? Hmm. You know, I, I kind of hope so, but I don't necessarily expect it because I don't know exactly who it would be if it's not Dansby Swanson. But if they go out and you know sign that that DH to a one-year deal, I feel like that might be sort of at the back end of the offseason, like in later January. So I'll go ahead and say no tentatively, but I would love to be wrong about the Braves spending on a player because if you're making – 10 plus million dollars or more, there should be a little bit more intrigue about that name and what role that player would play for the Atlanta Braves. And if he doesn't play shortstop and wear number seven, then I really want to know who it is. Yeah, I'm right there with you as well. So it sounds like it may be a very quiet uh, winter meetings for the Braves as well, unfortunately. But like we said, there's not a ton to do. I mean, right now we're just waiting to see how the shortstop market plays out. Hopefully we see a couple of those top guys go at the winter meetings and kind of move things along but as you know jeff passan of espns has written and others have written as well things have been kind of just bubbling on the surface right there you feel like there's an explosion coming grant i do think we see a lot of moves at the winter meetings i just don't know how much the braves are involved in them yeah i don't know i can tell you this one of the most fascinating parts of the winter meetings is uh, you know every day you'll go in there there's a gigantic you know ballroom that's basically where all the writers and media types are all set up and then There'll be a morning or an afternoon, whatever the case is, but there'll be a time where you walk outside and there are, are, are about 85 or 90 people all gathered around one person who's usually up on the steps using it as a makeshift dais to talk to these 90 people. And I don't think you'd be shocked to know that that person who's holding court out there is Scott Boris. I always look forward to we call it the rock concert when he's out there talking about all of his guys and the way he sees the the market and how things are sizing up. So we haven't gotten our Scott Boris rock concert at the winter meetings yet, but that's always something that's, you know, can typically be a harbinger of things to come because he's holding a lot of the cards for the free agent market this off season. And if he's able to play a couple of those cards over the course of the winter meetings, maybe we do th see things start to heat up and we start to get a little bit of movement and clarity on where some guys could be going and what market is going to you know, come to, uh, you know, just start moving a little bit. And I think shortstop yeah. is the place we're all focused on. Yeah, for sure. Shortstop, Aaron Judge, you know, obviously being the big prize of the offseason. I think, you know, even teams that maybe, you know, can go with either a shortstop or outfielder, you know, they're just looking to make a big splash that maybe once the judge move happens and maybe they pivot yeah. to shortstop. So I think he holds a lot of dominoes as well. But I do hope we see a lot of movement at the winter meetings. I hope things do start to pick up and the hot stove actually starts to heat up. But either way, Grant, thanks so much for joining me on this winter meetings preview. Thank you so much for all that you've done. Locked on Braves and Locked on Braves podcast this year. Definitely looking to have you back on soon as well. Always appreciate your insights. That would do it for this episode of Locked on Braves. Make sure that you follow us at Locked on underscore Braves on Twitter. You can follow me at shortstop ball. Also make sure you rate review and subscribe to the lockdown Braves podcast, wherever you get your podcast and we will talk to you next time. 
Hey, this is Stacy Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 